1: Okay, we are talking about what? Why Jesus, Why Jesus came? Our salvation. our salvation story. What he did for us. One, we've already covered these in detail, just reminding you. <clears throat> First and foremost, he restored to us God's presence. God's presence was taken from man when he fell. And thank God, Jesus gave his, his presence back to us, reunited our spirit with his spirit. Think about this, you're one spirit with the Lord two in doing so he also gave us back what our true identity because until you find your true identity in the creator not the creation life's going to beat you up i'll guarantee it people are going to take advantage of your life things are going to take advantage of your life because you're finding value and worth of who you are in something god never intended for you to get your value and worth from but satan certainly likes to so realize your true identity is found in what in god alone We taught you how to do that. Number three, he restored us our what? God-given authority. From the very beginning, what did God tell the, uh, quote-unquote, the relationship to what man? What did he tell the Holy Spirit and Jesus man would have? Dominion. 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 He said, I'm going to give him dominion to subdue the planet. How would he actually exercise that dominion? Through God's authority. Through the authority God gave him. Now, when Adam sinned, what happened to that authority? Satan took a hold of it. Who became the God of this world? Satan did. 1 Corinthians 4, 4. But Jesus got it back. I said, Jesus got it back for me and you. There is no reason you and I should not be walking in dominion over the very work of over Satan and over all of his cohorts. Amen? Then we're going to get into the fourth one again tonight. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. So not only did he give us dominion to go and subdue things on this earth, 1 John 3, 8 says... He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose. Pretty simple. Uh, Hard to understand here. For this purpose, the Son of God was what? Manifested. Or in other words, here's another reason he came. He was manifested. Underline it, that he might do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Well, he was manifested. I said he was manifested. Guess what he did? He destroyed the works of the devil. He didn't do that for him. He did that for me and you. The amplified latter part of 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God was made manifest, visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works. The works the devil has done. So what are the works the devil has done? I want you to go back to Romans 5 with me, Romans chapter five. What are the works the devil has done? So let me remind you, and this is why this is the third actual time we've touched on this very uh, uh, aspect of why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil because it's critical for us to fully understand it and how do we actually walk in the light of that victory? So I've already covered this with you. To know the works of the devil, got to go back to the beginning of Genesis. We're not going back there again tonight. We found out, as Romans 5 will tell us here in a moment, that what came as a result of sin? Death. What's the opposite of death? Life. Whose life? God. And everything that's good. Whose death? Satan. And everything that's bad. And when death entered the world, death reigned, as we're about to see again. From Adam to Moses, even when there was no actual law, to address the fact that man had sinned. But death was in the in the earth still reigning. What is death in that relationship? We're talking about relating to mankind. What do you mean death? That man died physically? True. But what was it really referring to? The works of Satan. The works of Satan. When you compare this with the life of God, you're looking at the works of God. And obviously John 10.10, 10, we've already touched on it. John 10.10 10 is clear. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the, and then literally Jesus said, I've come to give you what? Life, that more abundantly. So what are the works of Satan? You will find that in the stilling, killing, and destroying, it always comes down to three categories. And this is revealed to our redemption. Because when Adam sinned, what also came along with that actual form of death? A curse, which is the works of Satan. Right? Curse entered the world. Wasn't here before that. But what did Jesus do? Galatians 3.13. Redeemed us redeemed us from that curse amen in their case the law referring to the fact that if they didn't uphold the mosaic law the curse would affect them in the old testament as well but thank god jesus fulfilled the law for us and so guess what we don't have to do uphold the mosaic law to get free from the curse just simply put faith in the blood of jesus so understand the power of this so relating to the curse there are three things that relate to the curse of Deuteronomy 28 in three categories. You can study it. all that entire chapter out for yourself. And again, you'll see Satan attacks in these three areas all the time to still kill, and destroy. One, spiritual death. Spiritual death. So clearly you're not spiritually dead anymore. If you're born again, you're spiritually alive. You need to understand, though, as we've already talked about, what, what is the most significant thing that came in relationship to spiritual death? Lost identity. When man died spiritually, again, we've already covered it, he lost his true identity. So the biggest area that Satan deals with believers in, in the area of spiritual death, even though they're not spiritually dead, but he still tries to take advantage of them, death ruling over the believer, is to get you to find your identity and worth in anything other than God. If you're doing that, you're not walking in the victory over the works of darkness that Jesus already gave you. You're allowing a deceptive work of Satan To cause you to continue to live in a position far below where God caused you to live. So understand the power of that. I mean, I wish I'd like to preach on this stuff for you know months and months and months. This is just a brief overview of why Jesus came. We touched on all we touch on all these things all the time. You can go find teachings in depth on these things. The identity series, man, it's it's major. I got all kinds of stuff on that, not to mention the fact that the other two we're going to talk about. So in relationship to the works of Satan, one, spiritual death. Say spiritual death. death. That's everything you do with your identity, feeling like you're alone, like God's not with you, on and on and on and on and on we could go. Everything you do with what happened to the spiritually dead Adam and Eve... After they gave themselves over to sin. Jesus restored us from that. Redeemed us from that. Liberated us from that. Destroying the works of the devil. Two, poverty and lack. So the second area you look at is poverty and lack. Very clear in Deuteronomy 28. That if they did not uphold all the Mosaic law. Then they would see all these curses come upon them. Including poverty and lack. You would sow much. Go out to the field. Sow your seed farmers. Guess what? You're going to reap very little harvest. Why? Because they weren't doing what the law told them to do so that God could keep them from the curse. In our case, Jesus already provided what was needed. All we got to do again is put faith in our Savior. Come on, faith in our Deliverer. And exercise our faith in what he did, and I'm going to show you how tonight, to be able to be free from poverty and lack. I'm going to show you how to walk in this tonight, what we're going to get into. We've been revealing it to you last two services. Third thing that is a work of Satan that Jesus came to destroy is sickness and disease. Sickness and disease. Obviously, Satan loves to take advantage of of believers' bodies because if he can get you in a position where you're not well, he can hinder you from accomplishing what God called you to do. Without without a healthy uh, body and without some provision in your life, you're going to be very limited in being able to accomplish what God wants you to do. Now, if your goal to be healthy is to just simply be rich and buy what you want for you, God's probably not going to help you with that because you're simply doing it for the wrong reason. That doesn't mean it's not yours, but you're not putting faith in God for it. You're putting faith in yourself for what you want. And a lot of people don't understand that, but that's the truth. What we understand is clearly God does want us blessed. All through the scriptures, how blessed was Abraham? Come on, how blessed was Solomon? How blessed was Jesus? Do not ever say in this church he was poor. Uh, I need to sit down and teach you a little better than that, because the truth is he was a uh, not a poor, uh, you know, poor minister in any way, shape, or form. The son of God. I mean, think about this from his birth. What did he send at his birth? Gold. Gold frankincense and myrrh. They didn't keep the frankincense and myrrh. You know how expensive that stuff was in their day? You think perfumes are expensive today? Oh my gosh. I'm telling you right now, folks, that that was all given to Joseph and to Mary. Why? They weren't going home, were they? They thought they were, but they weren't. Where'd they have to go to? Flee to Egypt. Well, guess what? Joseph didn't have a job, but guess what he had? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He had provision. You look at it just like the children of Israel. When they left Egypt, they walked out of there loaded. That's right. To absolutely load. These people, the Egyptians, they came to them, gave them all their possessions that they could give Here, man, just get out of here. <laughs> take all my gold, take all just leave. Go, please, go. Why? God knew they were going to be out in that wilderness for a long period of time. So you got to understand, God's not a poverty God, and God's not a sickness God. He's not a disease God, and therefore you and I are not poverty children, and we're not sickness and disease children. But a lot of Christians still struggle in this, and they do not understand the significance, number one, of knowing Jesus has already what? Destroyed the works. He's not going to. He's already done so. And I'm going to show you tonight how you can appropriate this in your life if you'll pay attention and listen and apply the word. Amen? Amen. Romans 17. So we had read a bunch here. I'll, I'll throw in verse 12 that I just, I'm sorry, Romans 5. Romans 5:12. I'm going to throw in Romans 5:12 as an extra tonight. I wasn't going to read down through all these verses again, but I, I, I mentioned it just a moment ago. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, Adam, and death, Through sin. Death meaning what? All the works of Satan. All the works of Satan came out Through sin. And thus that death, all the works of Satan, spread to what? All men. Why? Because all had sinned. Verse 13, because even until the law, Mosaic law, sin was still in the world, but sin was not imputed. In other words, God did not judge them for it and punish them for it until the law came. Verse 14, nevertheless, death what? It reigned, even from Adam to Moses, even through this time. So it's saying, even though there was no law, death was still reigning. Death meaning what? The works of Satan. But thank God Jesus did something about it. 15 says, the free gift is not like the offense, what Adam did. What The free gift being what Jesus did. For if by, say it's a free gift. For if by one man's offense, many died much more The grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man. Jesus Christ amounted to what? What was that gift, please? Gift of righteousness. Why didn't you know that? The reason that you and I have the ability to walk in victory over the works of darkness is because we have a right to do so. What gave us a right to do so? Our right standing with God. Because we have right standing with God, what did righteousness give you? Rights. It gave you the rights of the kingdom. I said it gave you the rights of the kingdom. 17 is our focus. This is what I wanted to zero in on tonight. For if by one man's offense, again, Adam's sin, what reigned again? So how many times? He says that over and over and over again. Death reigned through the one. So death has been continually doing an effect in this earth, reigning over people's life because of sin. But notice this. Much more those who receive... So you got to do something here. Those who receive what? Abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Grace meaning I didn't earn it and I have been given this gift of righteousness, this free gift, right standing with God. So this doesn't apply to those who have not done so. Those who have not done so are still going to see the works of death reigning over them. But those who have done this no longer should see death reigning over them. Again, he says that this... Uh, One man's offense caused death to reign, but much more, much more, much more, more than death. Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will do what? Now, why abundance of grace? Because he wants you to know you got all you need. You got all you need through the gift of righteousness, right standing with God. I have a right to do what? Reign in Zoe. Reign in the life of God. Death no longer, in other words, should be reigning in my life. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, which is the context here, the word of death. And we reign in life how? Tell me how. I want to emphasize this tonight. How do we reign? Come on, tell me out loud. Through the one. Say, I reign through the one, Jesus Christ. Say it again. I reign reign through through the one, Jesus Christ. Guess how you don't reign through what you do or don't do? Guess how you do reign through what he did? By faith in what he did. You know, when people, you know, hear you talk like this, I like something Brother Hagin used to say all the time. He said he would have ministers come to him all the time and say, you make this healing thing too easy. He said, no, God made it easy. He said, you make this blessing thing of God too easy. No, God made it easy. See, in his day, they were shifted back over to the religious side. I mean, the body of Christ has gone back and forth, like John Osteen said, this pendulum swing forever. They were really kind of shifted over more to the religious side during, you know, the early days of Brother Hagen's ministry. It was all about you got to live perfect and holy and can't do anything wrong. And if you mess up, God's going to get you, and He's not going to bless you, and He's not going to help you, and He's probably going to punish you, and all this kind of stuff. All of which was not true. God's not out to get you. You listening? God is not out to get you. There is a devil who's out to get you, but God did something about it. Say, God's not out to get me. He's out to give to me. He's out to give to you, not to get you. But you got to understand this is by one man, Jesus Christ, and my faith in him alone. So what I'm going to teach you tonight is how you do that. I'm going to show you tonight how you do that. So again, we reign, have the ability as those who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. How do you do that? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Get born again. Have you been born again? You already qualified. Yes. You have now qualified to have what? Reigning in life. The ability to have what? Life reigning through you, through the one, Jesus Christ. 18, therefore, as to one man's offense... Judgment came to what? All men. Judgment came. Sin had to be dealt with. Therefore, because man had done wrong, God had to judge it. And that judgment came to what? All men, resulting in condemnation, which is separation from God. But notice this. Even so, through one man's righteous act. Now, he says this over and over and over again, because it ain't based on anything but what one man did. Jesus. I said, Jesus, yeah. underline it, through one man's righteous act, not yours. No. Through one man's righteous act, the free gift, what was the free gift? Right. Righteousness. The free gift came to what? All men, available to all men, resulting in what? Justification life. What do you mean justification life? He has already justified you to walk in Zoe life. You will not justify yourself. He is already through the free gift of right standing with God, justified your ability to walk in the life of God. If I walk in the life of God, guess what I don't have reigning over me anymore? The works of Satan. Why? Jesus destroyed the works of Satan. 19, for as by one man's disobedience, Adam's sin, many were made sinners, so also by, again, third time, one man's, say one man's. By one man's obedience, many will be made what? And again, the moment you're made righteous, you've been justified by God. You have a right to all that God says is yours, including the ability to walk free from the works of darkness. No longer ruling over your life. They might knock on your door, but you can boot them right back out. So look at it again, how powerful is this? Verse 18, through one man's righteous act. Verse 19, one man's obedience. So back to verse 17. How do we reign in this life? Through one. one Through one. One man's obedience, one man's righteous act is how we reign in this life. His name is Jesus. Can I get a better amen? <clears throat> verse 17 there in the voice translation says, "If this is, this is powerful. If one man's, listen carefully. If one man's sin brought a reign of death, and it did. If one man's sin brought a reign of death, that's Adam's legacy, it says. How much more will those who receive grace in abundance and the free gift of redeeming justice reign in life by means of one other man, Jesus the anointed? I'll read it again. If one man's sin brought a reign of death, that was Adam's legacy, it says. How much more how much more? How much more will those who receive abundance of abundance? Uh, excuse me, who receive grace and abundance and the free gift of redeeming justice. That's righteousness. The free gift of what? Redeeming justice. How much more shall they not reign in life by means of one other man? Jesus, the anointed. How are you going to reign in life? Through the one man. Jesus the anointed. So how do we do this, Pastor? Good question. If you come back on Sunday, I'll teach you. Yeah. I'm done for tonight. Close oh, no. in my Bible. You don't believe that, do you? Yeah. Romans chapter <laughs> 8. Romans 8. I just thought I'd see how hungry you are for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> so understand this. Adam sinned. His legacy. Death reigned. What's death? Works of Satan. Even including physical death, work of Satan. Part of the work of the enemy. Relating that to the actual person of the body, uh, you know, uh, uh, aspect of physical death as a type of disease or sickness, in essence, in a sense, not like you die from sickness and disease always, but the point is the body was never going to die. It was totally perfect. It was totally, completely perfect. So realize that even context of what we know of physical death, it's like a temporary type of work of Satan, physical death because it wasn't intended by God. Never was. But thank God we can we know this. I mean, we're not going to get this body fixed in relationship to eternity. We can walk in a blessing of health and healing as we're going to talk about clearly, but in eternity we'll have a brand new body. Glorified body just like Jesus. Amen. What's that mean? You can do what Jesus did. You can pop in and out wherever you want. You can walk through walls or do whatever you want to do. Praise the Lord. Jesus did so. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Romans 8 is we're going to spend a lot of the rest of our time tonight. Romans chapter 8. So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to zero in here on Romans chapter 8. Because this is how we reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. This is how you do it. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now, say now, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to what? Now, there are actual translations that tell us the latter part of that verse was added in some aspects of what was the original language, the part about who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. But the honest truth is the English translators helped us here because as you read on, it's implied. It's implied in the following verses. So actually, it's going to come up in the following verses anyway and be implied He's just putting it all here in one verse, whoever the English translators were, to bring this out. Originally, most of the English, uh, most of the original Greek uh, uh, aspects of the translation of this simply say, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, period. But it is true, who do not walk according to what? The flesh, but according to the spirit. All right? So if we walk according to the flesh, what are we going to be affected by? Condemnation. Which would mean... What would be the same as if we were separated from God? So if we were separated from God, where would we be? Back to spiritual death, poverty and lack, sickness and disease. But guess what? That's not us. I said that's not us. But if we walk, here's what I want you to see, because this is the key, and he's implying it in the following verses. So I like the fact that they actually added this to the first verse. If we walk with a fleshly mindset, That's going to be the key we're going to talk about tonight. If we walk with a fleshly mindset, you are going to walk below your privileges. You are going to be still ruled in some way by the works of Satan because you're not going to walk in what Jesus did for you. But if we walk in a spiritual mindset, now explain this. Just a moment. If we walk in a spiritual mindset, this is how we rise above the works of Satan. And this is what Christians got to get. They don't seem to understand that you can't continue to live with a a carnal old way of seeing things and viewing things mindset and then walk in victory as a child of God. You're not a carnal being. You're a spirit being. So you got to start looking at things the way God does. God is not a carnal being. Yeah, Jesus has a body, but it's glorified. So God is not a carnal being. He's a person. So are you. And that's why you're going to live for all eternity, not because you're a body, because you're a spirit. So when you think about that, we got to recognize, too, all that relates to the carnal man in this natural earth and how we see stuff. So I'm going to explain that really good in just a moment. I'll give you a Holy Ghost A little nugget here in just a minute about that to help you with that. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life. You should have this verse highlighted. You should have arrows pointing at it. You should have, I don't care. I don't know what you do to make a verse stand out in your Bible. Uh, You should, you know, have quotations around it. Stars pointing you to it. Because this is the whole context of what we've been teaching now for three services in one verse. The law. The rule. Of the spirit of life, zoe, in Christ Jesus has done what? Made me free. From what? The rule. The word law is rule there. From the rule of sin and the result of sin, death. Or works of Satan. Did Jesus destroy the works of the devil? Yes, he did. And in doing so, we now have through salvation what is known as the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit came to live in you. He breathed into you this new life. It's now within you. Because you're a born-again child of God, and you have the Holy Spirit bearing witness, that's true. What here's one of the things you should be reminded about, the witness of the Holy Spirit inside you. Not that you're just born again. But anytime you know and sense the spirit of the Holy, the the, excuse me, the witness of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your spirit, here's what you ought to be reminded of. That's a reminder. That death doesn't rule over me anymore. The works of Satan have been defeated. Look at it. That's exactly what he's telling you. For the law, the word law there is rule. Like a context of the law of gravity, it's a rule. It's a rule. You jump off a building, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go down. Why? Because it's a rule. It's an actual rule God put in the earth. So not like a rule you got to obey it or don't obey it. We don't have to, but if you violate it, you're going to obviously reap a bad result. So this rule that comes of the spirit of life that's in you now, say, it's in me now. now. Notice that is in Christ Jesus. That's how you got it. Has what again? What has it done? It's not going to. I want you to say this. It has made me free. Say it again. It has made me free. What did it make you free from? The rule. ...of sin and death. So let me share a story and then I'll move on here. I've I've told you this before. If you've ever followed any of John G. Lake's teachings... ...he talks about this very truth. John G. Lake walked free... ...from the works of darkness. He walked free from... ...the very works of Satan that that Jesus destroyed. And I'll tell you why. He got a revelation of that verse. That I'm going to try to help you get a revelation of tonight. He got such a revelation of that verse... That he knew anything that's a work of Satan, that's a part of sin and death, cannot rule in my life. It cannot harm me. It cannot affect me unless I let it. Because it says clearly I'm not going to be. Doesn't sound, it doesn't sound, it does not say I'm not, I'm, I'm not yet. I'm one day going to be free. No, it says I've already been freed from the rule of sin and death. That intrigued him. So he began to meditate on this verse and study it. Let me help you something about reading your Bible and hearing from God. Our men's going to get a whole new new deal that the Holy Spirit's put together for me for our men starting in February. But here's the key to reading your Bible. You should not just read it to read it as I've told you. You should read it to hear from God as to what he's saying to you. If you're not getting anything out of reading the Bible, you're not doing it right. You should slow down and say, wait a minute, I need to go back and reread the chapter I just read. You'd be better off to read a chapter today get something out of it. Every time you read a chapter in the New Testament especially, you ought to say, what did I get from God today from that chapter? If you got nothing, you didn't listen. You just read it to read it. You just read it to read the Bible. That's why I'm not real high on these one-year Bible reading programs. Because the goal isn't really to hear from God. It's just to read the Bible in a year. Well, Big deal. Pharisees knew Old Testament scriptures and God himself was standing in front of them. They didn't even notice it. And they knew every prophecy about him that he fulfilled. But here is John G. Lake who gets a revelation of this verse. He's in South Africa uh, where he's actually ministering there, creating church, building churches, etc. And the bubonic plague breaks out. Very Very deadly, very dangerous, very contagious. He is praying for all that he can, all that he can get to, ministering to them, seeing results, And obviously can't get to everybody. And these people come from England knowing of the breaking out of this plague. All different kinds of medical teams. And they hear about John G. Lake. They hear about this minister who's there ministering to people. And and for some reason, he doesn't catch this this, uh, plague. And so they finally find him. And they say, how is it, sir, that you can minister to these people, pray for them, lay hands on them as we hear you're doing? and even be around the frothy stuff that comes out of their mouth when they're actually dying, and it doesn't affect you. It doesn't get on you. He said, because the law, so his immediate response, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from that law of sin and death. They said, could you explain that? I don't have time. I got too many people to minister to, but I'll prove it to you. He said, you go take some of that frothy stuff from somebody's mouth that's dying, you bring it, you put it on my hand, you've got microscopes with you, I'll let you look at it, and, and you'll watch it die, you'll watch that literal plague die, and they said, we'll do it, and so they set up a time, he met with them, they came, they put some of it on his hand, put it under a microscope, they even acknowledged it, they said, there it was, on his hand, normally a course, would immediately again attack that body, and take a hold of that body, and guess what it did, it died. All those little jerks, they died. They all died. They didn't understand it. But guess what? John G. Lake did. And John G. Lake lived out his life free from the rule of sin and the works of the devil. You know why? Because he understood this verse. And he understood the following verses, how to walk in it. Verse 3, what the law could not do, what the actual quote-unquote aspect of the Ten Commandments and Mosaic Law could not do in that it was weak to the flesh. It could not cause you to be right with God. It could not cause you to therefore receive a new spirit and to have the Holy Spirit come to live in you. Couldn't do it. What did God do? God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. What did He do? He condemned sin in the flesh. We who were condemned because of sin... Jesus came and dealt with the sin by condemning it. By actually walking a sinless life and dying on a cross. Four. why did he do it? That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. What's the righteous requirement of the law? Somebody has to be punished for the sin. Jesus was. Therefore, that righteous requirement of God... That was necessary based on the law was what? Fulfilled in us who do not walk according to what? The flesh, the flesh but according to what? The spirit. So if you want to walk in a place of liberty and freedom again as a child of God, you got to learn to not walk according to the flesh. You got to learn to walk according to the spirit. What does that mean? Read on verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh... They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I'm coming back to that. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded. Now I want you to get this phrase. Carnally minded simply means to have a mindset. What's mindset mean? You have a certain view of how you see things in your mind. This is my mindset of whatever. People see things differently based on what their mindset of a circumstance is or whatever they focus on or whatever situation they're looking at. So we talk about carnally minded. We're talking about what's your mindset? Not just like what's your mindset on, included. I'm just talking about what's your mindset? How do you view life? It's another way to say it. How do you view life? How do you view you? How do you view people around you? I can tell you, Paul didn't walk in the light of the flesh. He walked in the light of the spirit. How do I know? We see no man according to the flesh any longer. See, right. so he didn't view people from a carnal perspective. Amen. Why do we? We still have the wrong mindset. Good you listening tonight? So watch us. He says clearly those who therefore live according to this flesh. What are they doing? They're setting their minds in the flesh. Verse 6. Which is the same as being what? Carnally minded. Or having their, a mindset of the flesh, which the result is what? Yeah. Look at verse six. To be carnally minded is what? Yeah. Oh, so if I have a mindset of the of a fleshly nature, of all things looking at things just perspectively from the flesh, what's going to be the result? Tell me. Yeah. What's that mean? Wow, the works of Satan that Jesus defeated are going to have ability to actually function in my life. But I've been delivered from them. But to be spiritually minded. So this is far more than just born again. Born again qualifies you. Come on. When you're born again, you're qualified. What are you qualified to do? Walk under the rule of the spirit. No longer under the rule of sin and death. Doesn't mean you will, but you're qualified. Amen. How many are born again? Say I'm qualified. What do I got to do? If you're carnally minded, you're going to continue to see the rule Of the works of Satan, death affecting your life. But if you become spiritually minded, what's the result? Underline it, please. What's the result? Say it out loud, please. Say this, to be spiritually minded. Come on, say it. Is life Life. and peace. 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 All right, so what's life there? Now you're back under the rule of the spirit of life. How do I know I'm under the rule of the spirit of life? Peace, perfect peace. If I'm at perfect peace, what does that mean? I never blame God. He's not my problem. I'm at harmony with God. I tell you why people blame God. They blame God for two reasons. They're either not born again or they walk with a carnal mindset. You listening? They're either not born again. If you're not born again, people aren't born again, blame God for a lot of stuff. But the other reason people would blame God, carnal mindset. Wouldn't that be the same as ignorance? Included. Absolutely included. If they're ignorant of who God is, or ignorant of who they are, well, they're walking carnally. They're walking with a carnal mindset. But I'm here to tell you, folks, people that get mad at God do not understand who they are and or they are not born again, one or the other. You listening? I said, are you listening? Verse 6 is so critical. To be spiritually minded is what again? Life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind Or, in other words, seeing things through the old carnal way of the flesh is what? Enmity against God. In other words, it's not going to agree with God. I'm going to show you this in a minute. It's not going to see things the way God does. Your flesh, if you view everything from the old carnal nature standpoint, your flesh will never see things the way God does. It'll always see it opposed to the way God does. Are you listening? Tells you right there, the carnal mind is what? Enmity, that means opposed. It is opposed to God. Why? Because it is not what? Tell me. Tell me, please. Tell me, please. Are you reading with me tonight? It's not subject to what? The rule of God, nor indeed can be. It's not subjecting to the very rule of the spirit of life that God gave you to free you from the rule of sin and death. Your carnal mind will not do that for you. Your carnal way of seeing things will not cause you to live in the liberty. In other words, God, all verse 7 is saying is, if you have a carnal view of life, you're going to not walk in the liberty God has for you. You're going to continue to be in opposition of what, the way God sees things and therefore not subject to him. Meaning that you're not receiving what he said. God said by his stripes you're healed. Why do so many Christians disagree? They're carnal minded. You're not going to see it the way God does. God sees it as you're already healed because I look at it through Calvary. Well, no, I'm not. Look at my body. So you're looking at it from a whole different perspective. You're not seeing it the way God does. And if you don't see it the way God does, guess what? Satan's got you. Yeah, there we go. Praise the Lord. I know that Jesus delivered them from this, but they don't know that. They think they're still bound by what they see. So then, verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot do what? Please God. Excuse me? Please. So in the flesh here means, again, I'm viewing life through the old fleshly way of seeing stuff. And that means I'm not going to do what? I'm not going to walk by faith. You should have a note by that verse, Hebrews eleven six. There's only one way to please God, New Testament, by faith. Right. Faith pleases God. It's the only thing according to Hebrews eleven six. 6. Notice this, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. In other words, you no longer have to live under the flesh. You have the ability to live ruled by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God now dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of God, of course, then he is not what? He's not God's. But if Christ is in you, is he? Well, the body is dead because of sin. Meaning what? Yeah, your body is perishing, but that don't mean you have to put up with sickness and disease and live on this planet without health and healing. Jesus purchased it. So, yeah, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is what? It's what? Life. Life. Why? Come on, because of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. The spirit has given you life because of what? The gift of righteousness. Not because of what I've done, but because of what one man did. 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if the Spirit of Him, God who raised Jesus from the dead, who went and got Jesus out of hell, the Holy Spirit did. Yes, he did. Yeah. if that same Spirit dwells in you, does he? Yes, he, does. he who raised Christ from the dead will give will also give life to your mortal, body. not the glorified one, oh. while you're still in this mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. what will he do? He will give what? He will give life to your mortal body. What's that mean? He will allow the Zoe life to come up out of him to your spirit into your mortal body, driving out what? The works of Satan. Death. If he dwells in you, he's capable of doing it. Why don't he do it? You are still looking at things through the carnal nature. You still with me? So very clearly, this is what you and I got to get a hold of is this mindset thing. Now, I want to read Romans 8, 5 through 8 for just a moment from the Amplified because it will help us tonight. And then I want to come back and focus on a couple key verses here. We're going to talk about verses 5, 6, and 7. But I want to read verses 5 through 8 here from the Amplified. Listen carefully. Those who are according to the flesh... They are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, now the mind of the flesh, mind of the flesh, mindset, the mind of the flesh, listen, is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. What are you going by? Natural human reasoning without God even involved. God's not even involved. You're looking at everything through the old nature in which before you were born again, guess how you could not see things? Through the eyes of God. So how'd you see things? Through the eyes of the flesh. It don't mean you don't still see some things through the eyes of the flesh, but you are not supposed to allow, quote-unquote, human reasoning and and your sense knowledge to to be actually what governs you without the help of the Holy Spirit. Notice, that result is is a result of death, it goes on to say. Listen carefully, verse 6, death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter, the works of Satan that Jesus defeated. Both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace both now and forever. Seven. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law, the spirit of life. And, it, and therefore indeed cannot. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to its appetites, its impulses of their carnal nature, they cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. So look at verse 5 again. Those who live according to the flesh, they do what? Set their, mind. their their mindset. Say mindset. Their mindset is still what? Seeing things through the flesh. I want you to get this. Under, uh, in verse 5, underline the words, uh, uh, who underline this, live according to. Live according to. Put a note there. If you look that up in the Greek, you know what that means? Identify with. Mm, Identify with. What do you identify with? The carnal nature or your spiritual nature? If you identify with your carnal nature, guess what you're going to do? Continue to see things through the flesh. You're not going to see them the way God does. If, if you see things through the flesh, man, guess what? This world scares you. <laughs> Are you listening? When, when people start talking about disease and sickness or cancer, all these kinds of stuff, this stuff scares you. Oh, I hope I don't get it. Sign of the cross. I ain't going to help you. I know people that do that. I know, I know Christians who do all kinds of things that they think, if I just say this thing. I know believers who still post stuff on social media. They'll post something that somebody else posted. If you'll post this in the next five minutes, God's going to bless you in the next three days. You're looking at stuff through the flesh. That is not how God operates. Are you still with me? Here's what I want you to get How in the world, Pastor, do we actually walk in victory over these works of darkness Jesus defeated? Listen to me. You have to change your mindset. You have to work on the renewal of your mind to see everything from a spiritual perspective, Amen. not a fleshly perspective. Now, I'll give you a statement. If you'll hang on to this statement or write it down, it'll help you with this for the rest of your time here on the planet. Amen. I posted it earlier today. How does the flesh see things? Here's how the flesh sees things. You ready? Yeah. Here's how the flesh sees things. If I can see it, I could believe it. That's good. That's good. This is living according to the flesh. Once I see it, I'll believe it. Once I see God do something good for me, I'll believe he's good. You'll never see him do something good for you. He already did everything good for you. You're overlooking one of the greatest things he ever did by sending Jesus to die for you. But you don't even see it. Why? Because you're going by a carnal perspective. This is just one way to see what I'm trying to get across to you today. If I wait to see it before I can believe it, whatever it may be, guess what that is? That's a carnal perspective. If I walk according to the Spirit, guess how I see things. You ready? I already see it. I already see it. Therefore, I believe it because it's already mine. Amen. Meaning what? I don't, made, I don't see it in the natural. I see it in the Word. I see it in the Spirit. Everything that was needed for you to walk in this Zoe life is all done in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your witness that it's already so. Every answer, you need to, every answer you ever need to lie, it's sitting inside you. Yes, sir. It's already in you. To know what to do, to know what to do in the perfect will of God. Sure wish I knew what to do. Keep saying that and you'll never know what to do. Why? You're looking at it from a per- fleshy perspective. When you look at it from a fleshy perspective, you're just going by what your carnal mind doesn't know. But your spirit has access to the God who knows everything. You're going by your carnal mind, not your spirit man. You listening to me? And until you start seeing things through the spirit, man, and that takes renewal of the mind to get your mind set on things that have the mindset of the things of the spirit. Now, all of a sudden, you don't look at people carnally anymore. You look at them as a spirit. Inside that carnal person is a spirit being. Boy, they sure are mean old cut. Co- now you're talking about that old fleshy person. They may not be on the inside. They may not be letting that new nature rule them just like you may not be letting that new nature rule you. Thank you for all your great amens tonight. But see, one of the easiest ways to see looking at things in the flesh, how me understand, again, if you walk by the flesh, you can't please God. How do you walk by flesh? Walking by faith. How does faith go? Faith goes by the Spirit. What does God say about any situation you're looking at in life? So let's go back to what we just talked about. If you, again, in verse 2, understand this verse, he said this law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who has that? Who has that? Every believer, this law and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is going to one day make me free. All it already has. What's it already freed you from? It's freed you from sin and the results of that, which is death, which is what? The works of Satan. I am not going to get freed from the works of Satan someday. I am not going to get freed one day from spiritual death. I am not going to get freed one day from false identity. Well, I'm just waiting for God to do something, and you're gonna keep on waiting, because God said I already did it. Amen. Well, I just can't see that because you're carnal. Because you need to develop a relationship with God, get to know Him. You need to get in church and learn the Word, and you need to renew your mind to that Word. Let Him speak to you till you start seeing things from who you really are, a spiritual perspective, and all of a sudden life will take on a whole new focus. And now you realize I'm not a carnal being. I'm not, quote unquote, limited to the carnal world. You kidding me? I've been given the ability to rise above the carnal world. I've been given the ability, as he goes on to talk about here in Romans chapter 8, to reign in life as kings. Meaning, what? Death is no longer the king. No, it's not. Sickness and disease is no longer the king. Poverty and lack of. Well, I just don't know what to do. See, he keeps saying that and you're going to simply reveal all you're revealing about yourself is i'm carnal pastor in my mindset because guess who doesn't know everything to do your old carnal brain your old carnal brain don't have all the answers of life are you listening your carnal brain don't have all the answers of life guess who does who, who does know what you need to do god does but why don't you start finding out from Him what you need to do? Why don't you start doing what the Bible says? Go to Him and ask for wisdom. He gives to all. Well, I've tried that. didn't work. See, that's because you're not taking time to quiet your stinking old fleshly mind. It's not going to come to your brain. It's going to come up out of your spirit. His spirit bears witness with your spirit, not your brain. And then it will be made known to your mind. You don't want your mind functioning with reason and not have the help of the Holy Spirit correct? If my mind's functioning with reason only and not the help of the Holy Spirit, what am I doing? I'm walking carnally. Or I said I'm walking carnally. See again, the mind of the flesh, verse 6, amplified, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. So just keep going by natural sense and reason. Reason and things out in the natural. Sense meaning fivefold senses. Just keep going by that without the help of the Holy Spirit you're going to live a carnal fleshly mindset. And guess what you're not going to do? Walk in the spirit of life. Because you're going to be what? Carnally minded. But those who are spiritually minded walk in what? Life and peace. See, when they walk in that Zoe life, they know this. God's not my problem. And he never has been. He's he's given me peace. You kidding me? He's given me harmony with him. There's no longer any opposition to him as it relates to who I really am. My flesh still has an issue with that, but I am not a fleshy being. No, Can I get a better amen? amen. The, this is the simple truths, and they're kind of like easy to really state them, but hard for people to grasp. It's like we say all the time. So in relationship to even receiving something from God, let's say healing or anything as it relates to what God's promised in his covenant promises, as Brother Hagin would say, when are you supposed to believe you receive before I have it? Well, I thought you said I'm supposed to already see it. You are. But not in the natural. Because all that you've needed has already been provided in the realm of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's your confirmation of that. What did he just say about your mortal body that the Holy Spirit would do? He would quicken, give life, give life, give life, give life to what? Your mortal body. See, that life's already available to your mortal body. I just wished I knew I could get it. Acknowledge you've already got it. Acknowledge you've already been healed. But you're not gonna be. Jesus already paid the price for your healing. You listening? So like Brother Hagin would say all the time, when are you supposed to believe that what you pray about you have it before you see it? You listening? When do you believe that you got it? Before you see it. That's what the Bible says. Mark 11, 23. Whatever you ask when you pray, believe you receive it. Believe you receive it. Believe you receive it, and you shall what? Have it. My part is not the having part. My part is the believe and I receive it. I acknowledge according to the word of God, he's already provided it. What aspect of issue of, of works of Satan that Jesus has already defeated, do you need victory over tonight? Well, he's just declared right here in verse 2, you already got it. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, made me free has made me free from the role of sin and the result that came, which is death or the works of Satan. You got to start acknowledging and recognizing and this is where confession comes in to help you begin to renew your mind and change your mindset. You start agreeing with God. Start agreeing with God. Well, I just don't know what to do about this situation. That's not what God said. God said you have the mind of Christ. Oh, okay. So let's say this about Jesus. Jesus just doesn't know what to do about anything. That's what you're saying without even realizing it. God said you have, you have, not going to get it, you have the mind of Christ. What's that mean? I got access to knowing everything Jesus knows. What does Jesus not know? Come on, he's God. What would Jesus not know? You listening? And you keep, you keep disagreeing with God. You keep going through a carnal motion of saying over and over and over, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do about this situation. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not this. I'm not good at that. I'm not da, 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 da. And you're never going to be because you're only looking at yourself through what? Carnal nature. That's all a part of the work of death that says, I don't have these abilities. And God says, you've got the mind of Christ. You've got the spirit of God. You've got the very presence of God to help you in everything you do. You're one spirit with the Lord. I gave you the same faith that I have. You don't have a different faith than me if you just learn to use it. But see, the problem is a lot of Christians don't want to take the time to do what? Renew their mind to the things of the spirit to start seeing themselves as a spirit being and see things through a spiritual perspective. Guess what John G. Lake did? It's exactly what he did. It became such a revelation. You can talk about this all night long, but you got to understand till I start practicing doing what Romans 12, 2 says to renew my mind to the word of God, to who I now am. Right? What does Romans 12, 2 say? Anybody know? Let's back up to Romans 12, 1. All right, what does Romans 12, 1 say? You're to present your body unto God as a living sacrifice. Meaning what? I don't let my body rule me. I present it to God as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him, which is my reasonable servant. So automatically, stuff I know I shouldn't have in, any involvement with relating to my natural life, I should cut out of my life. Right. Then he says in verse 2, and be transformed. Oh, transformed. Transformation. From the inside out, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. Come on, that you may prove what is the horrible and, and, and bad things God doesn't want you. No, that you may prove what? All that is good and acceptable and right in the sight of God. What's good, acceptable, and right in the sight of God? Everything you do was Zoe life. How do I prove that? Renewing of your mind. So I've taught you this for years. Okay. So how many Christians know you should renew your mind? But what do you renew your mind to? See, everybody says the word. Wrong. Wrong answer. You use the word to renew your mind. You don't renew your mind to the word alone. You use the word to renew your mind. So if I, okay, so if I go by your answer, well, I just renew my mind to the word, pastor. All right, I'm going to go spend the next three years in the book of Job. No. <laughs> right. no. And see how much that helps me. How much you think renewing my mind to the book of Job is going to help me as a believer overcoming this life? No. I'm thinking not a whole lot. No. No. Right? See, the point is, I got to renew my mind, but here's the key. I got to know what I need to renew my mind to. What do I renew my mind to? This new man. This new man. And how do I find out relationship to this new man? Who he says I am, what he says I have, what he says I can do. We don't make that confession because I thought it up one day and thought it would be cool and just bore you with something over and over and over again. I'm trying to get a point into your heart. I see people, some of them get so frustrated. Here we go again. Yes, I am who he says I am. See, you don't even know who you are. Because if you did, that would excite you every time to make that confession. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad to be reminded tonight I am who God says I am. See, who are you? Exactly right. You're who God said you are. But guess how you're going to find that out? Primarily the New Testament. And when you start finding out who you are, guess what you do? Start agreeing with who God says you are. Quit saying anything other than what God says you are. Who does God say you are? Then that's who you say you are. And you even might not have to, I'm serious, you might even have to ask people to help you. And when you start talking stupid again, carnal because that's stupid listening and when you start talking stupid and carnal hey remind me that that's not who i've taught you people raising your kids and one of the greatest ways to help help your uh, children understand walking out relationship once they're born again or even before they fall to sin walking out who they are when they do something that a believer shouldn't do what should you do you should discipline them doesn't the bible say so but what else should you do? You say, hey, son, hey, daughter, you don't do that. You know why you don't do that? Because that's not who you are. That is not who you are. You're a child of the living God. You belong to God. Children of God don't do that. Are you listening? Not, not, those, not those who know they are. Be transformed. 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 What are you going to be transformed to? Zoe life. What are you going to be transformed out of? Works of devil, works of Satan that Jesus defeated. Amen. But how do you do that? Got to renew your mind to who you are. What about what you have? Yeah. Could you sit down and write a really good, pretty lengthy list of what all you have in Christ Jesus? I would, I would challenge most Christians probably couldn't. Well, how are you going to walk in this quote unquote spiritual mindset if you don't see who you are and what you have? Amen. What about what you can do? Worry. What can you do? What can you do? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do what I can do the very works Jesus did. Jesus said so. If I believe in him, the works he did, I can do also. I can cast out demons. Oh, not me. But well, see, there you go again. And so then you wonder why that you continue to see the works of death rule over your life when there should not be. Why? You have the wrong mindset. I said you have the wrong mindset. What determines if I walk in Romans 8, 2 under the spirit of life? Romans uh, 8, 5, 6, and 7. What's your mindset? What are you identifying with? So you keep identifying with the old fleshly nature, that's what you're going to walk in. But if you'll start identifying with the new nature, I'll give you some verses to study. I was going to try to get to them tonight. But you should go, you should go, here I'm going to give you a set of verses that you can renew your mind to and pray over yourself and camp out in. For a good long time and never stop. Ephesians 1, yes. verses 5, starting off Ephesians 1, verse 15, through Ephesians 2, 6. Right. Ephesians 1, 15 through 2, 6. When you get to 2, 6 and it says you've been raised up seated with Christ far above, all, you know, at the right hand of the Father. Or geez, it says you've been raised up seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. Then you should go back to Ephesians 1 that talks about what he was raised up above, far above. All principles, well, it said you were raised up with him. That's right. So I wish I could have showed you that tonight. I might Sunday a little bit touch on that before we move on to our next thing, That why, why Jesus came. But see, that was a biblical prayer that Paul continued to pray for the Ephesian church, that they would get their understanding enlightened. To know what? The hope, the hope of God's calling. What does that mean, the hope of God's calling? Well, what does he expect for you to live out here on the earth? Let me help you what he doesn't expect you to live out in the earth. He does not expect for you to live out ruled by death. He expects you to live out your life ruled by life. You need revelation of that. Yes, we do. That we would get an understanding of the hope, the expectation of his calling. What he put me here for to walk out as a child of God. That's right? right? Yes. That you might know the hope of his calling. That you might know you're ready, this, you're ready for this. That you might know... The exceeding, exceeding, exceeding greatness of his power. That you would know that. What do you mean know? By experience. Which he worked in Christ Jesus, example, when he raised him from the dead. And seated him far above. All principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named. And Ephesians 2, 6 says you were raised up with him. Where? Far above. But see, until you start saying this stuff to yourself and get your mind renewed to the spiritual mindset, the more you get your mind renewed to the spiritual mindset, guess what? The less death is going to control you. The less the works of darkness that Jesus already defeated is going to control your life. What are you going to start walking in? Life and peace.